Hey, David, guess what we get to keep doing today? I'm sorry, you're going to have to come back with me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, David, get your mind out of the gutter. We get to keep talking to Kayla Lippman, who we had... Yeah, we had part one of her episode last week and or earlier in the week, and now we get to continue our conversation with her. She had such amazing insight on how podcasts are actually a lifestyle brand, and I'm really looking forward to finishing up the conversation with her today. Oh, me too. It's It, it was one of those conversations that just kept going, and I didn't realize how much time was passing, so... Luckily, <laughs> we're in control and and we had to go ahead and split this up into two. So hopefully everybody enjoys this episode just as much as they did the first. Welcome to Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. I'm Tiffany Kane, podcast coach and professional development expert. And I am David Seiss, professional dialogue and voiceover editor. Together, we will go on a journey with you to truly master the podcasting mindset. Let's break past mindset beliefs that often create barriers to success. You will learn techniques and insider secrets to raise the power of your content and the quality of your sound. We believe your voice is powerful. Your story needs to be told and there is someone out there who will be inspired because you have the courage to share your insights through your podcast. Now, here's today's episode. All right, just to remind you guys who Kayla Littman is, Kayla is a journalist, a producer, a marketing and brand development expert. She has been championing, championing audio. Championing. Championing. (laughs) She has been championing audio as a way to brand and market very large companies. She has worked for the big, big companies and been on the cutting edge of those companies starting their own podcasts. So she comes to us with a really different viewpoint and perspective and mindset about podcasting that I think is really valuable for the indie podcaster. So I'm thrilled to be continuing this conversation. This is part two of the two-part series starring Miss Kayla Littman. We are really, really excited to have her and continue on with this conversation. And we are hoping to bring her back for maybe even a part three and four and 12. Who knows? Because she is just full of so much incredible, good knowledge that I think will really help all of you and us as well. So let's get into the conversation. I think we're in this sort of renaissance of whatever, do what you love, do what inspires you, what energizes you, what you like when you wake up in the morning and you really, you're like, oh, that lights something or ignites something in me. And there's a market for all of that. I look at people, Yes, this is totally random, but my partner and I, we have two pet rabbits here in New York. Very, very weird pets. But there are people on, (laughs) we had a rabbit too. Barb and and who was the other one? I remember Barb. (laughs) Oh, Barb and Ed. Yeah, Barb and Ed are my my rabbits. Um, Was yours named Barb too? Or did you just remember? No, I remember Coco. Yeah. So uh, we have our two rabbits and I go on Etsy sometimes and there's these full-fledged Etsy shops where these, you know, grandmothers are quilting like bunny bunny houses somewhere in middle (laughs) America and they're making a living doing it. So 
Mm-hmm. Again, like I think do anything, do what you love, be passionate about it. I totally agree with what you're saying, David, about really sit down and have a brain dump, have mind map. What do you think your audience is? Because mm-hmm. that's where you start mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, if my audience is traditionally over the age of 50, for example, where would I find that cohort? How do I reach them? Mm-hmm. And for me, it would be like, oh, go to Facebook. Don't spend money on, you know, a, a TikTok campaign. <laughs> like go go where you know this audience lives. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that I think will help you in the long run where, and like this chart that you you referenced where it says main reasons for listening to podcasts. And then there's another one where it's like, where you listen to podcasts. Right. So some people are like, mm-hmm. I do it to fill empty time. And you'll notice that the over 35 group is like, I don't do it to fill empty time because I don't have empty time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I have kids. We don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste. Darn it. We're in our second act. We we need to get going. (laughs) Exactly. But like, again, you know, that group probably is going to be really specific and uh, purposeful about where they spend that 45 minutes Mm -hmm. to an hour with that one podcast they listen to each day or each week, whatever it might be. And so how do you think about like, okay, if I'm over the age of 35 and I love bird watching, but my busy life has removed me from being able to appreciate this every day because I have kids and bills and responsibilities and a mortgage, like what show would I be able to tune into that kind of can fill that passion and that void for me, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, I work with a really wonderful production house called The Podglomerate, and they make a lot of shows that are geared towards book readers, book enthusiasts, the literary Mm -hmm. world. And I think about that like, okay, even even, um, podcast production houses like Double Elvis who are geared towards people who love music. So, okay, if you're not listening to an album or you're not obsessing over your favorite band, where do you go to like learn more about them? And so kind of figuring out what those intersections are of passion really can help drive your most strategic marketing efforts. Um, And that goes for indies as well as for the big, the big corporate publishers. Um, Mm -hmm. They're all looking for new ways to be discovered and recommended by individuals, because we know that the number one way that people find out about new podcasts, no matter how much we put into like display ads or an Instagram ad is it's word of mouth. And Mm -hmm. so how do you make sure that your show is entering the mouths of people who will care about it and then share it with their communities that care about the same thing? It's a very like groundswell discoverability. And that's why I'm actually pretty optimistic about what it will look like if more people are publishing to YouTube, because they just have such a, such a powerful Mm -hmm. algorithm where if you've watched one show about, you know, Cinnabon recipes, you're going to then be reached by every other piece of content (laughs) about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not, you know, not that I don't have a recipe or not that I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. that Cinnabon reference came really easy yeah, to you I'm just gonna I say I will say that I'm always that's my, what I do on YouTube it's always a cooking show I'm like okay I don't know mm. how to make anything I will learn <laughs> please <laughs> tell me binging with Babish please help me um, I digress 
Can I dig into something that you said that, um, okay, I loved because it made me feel a little more sane. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you have this bullet point in What Else Motivates podcast listeners to tune in. And the bullet point, I love this. It says, podcast listeners are more open and non-neurotic than non-listeners. <laughs> David, this says I'm non-neurotic. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree or disagree? <laughs> well, it's in it's in print, so apparently it's it's in black and white yeah. in writing. It's true. So <laughs> this study is interesting, and it's funny because I felt like I was regurgitating something, even including this in the article, because I feel like this study has been floating around um, for the past week, which again shows how online I am. I'm like everybody must know about this. It's not new, but <laughs> I did. Okay, thank you. That makes me feel better. But um, it was cited in like a lot of different uh, podcast uh, publications, like Business Journal, Inside Podcasting a reference to this Queensland University of Technology study um, where it was conducted through the School of Psychology. So what they were looking at is they knew that this group of 300 people had very specific personality traits that they had studied using their own sort of School of Psychology metrics of this is how we would define your personality. And so I guess they had a group of people within that study who when they took their personality exam, they were a little bit more neurotic. Um, so again, it's all through the lenses that we're looking at. And those people, I guess, were less inclined to listen to podcasts. And I'd imagine, and this is me again, drawing from my own experience that in this realm of like the psychological analysis, neuroses are maybe people who are a little bit more anxious, more um, paranoid maybe about what people think of them. Um, and that's kind of how I read into this particular study, whereas then you see going on, um, going down the line of what their findings are for this particular study out of the Queensland University of Technology is the people who did listen a lot and liked podcasts, they had a lot more openness. Like they wanted to, mm -hmm. they were curiosity-based, they were interest-based. They maybe weren't so wound up about how they were perceived by the world. Like that's a neurosis that sort of was not mm -hmm. a big focal point of whatever was going on with their personality, which I appreciate. And I guess it's like, I'm totally neurotic and I listen to tons of podcasts, but maybe I'm just neurotic in a way that I've given up on caring how people perceive <laughs> those neuroses. I'm like, here, here I am. It's me. <laughs> I think that you, you touched it so powerfully when you said curiosity and, um, in, like that interest-based curiosity and that, um, the openness to the experience. So yeah, I mean, I don't, is there a human on the planet that doesn't have some sort of neuroses? I don't think so. But the, I know the people that David and I surround ourselves with, that we, we hang with a lot of podcasters because we teach podcasting and they're all so curious about, about where they fit in and where their listeners fit in and, and how they can serve their listeners and how they can use their personal vulnerability to connect with their listener. And so then I think what happens is, yeah, we all have anxiety monsters or, you know, wash our hands too much or whatever our neuroses is. 
Um, but we're curious about it and we're willing to share it and we're not worried that people know it because we're like, well, this is the way I get to connect with you. And if you're like me and you have these issues, let's connect together and let's go on this journey together and figure it out. You know, And so I think that to me is the power of that podcasting community is you get to do these things together. I would totally agree with that. I also think it's sort of this desire to not feel alone and to make those connections mm-hmm. and that desire for community. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine if there was another aspect of this study, if you were a person who measured high for being a part of your community or wanting to engage with your community, you probably would also measure high for podcast listenership. This is a lot of conjecture on my end, but I think the cool thing about listening to podcasts and being on the consuming end is you, it's a very passive form of engagement. Like you can say, I'm a member of this community. Do I show up and have to host the barbecue every year, have to do this, or do I have to send out all the mailings to the people? No, not necessarily, but I'm out here giving them downloads and supporting them in that way. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, community, community engagement is a spectrum. And I think Mm -hmm. by simply having somebody in your listener community who's willing to listen and then also talk about what you talked about on Mm -hmm. your show, that's a powerful form of community engagement that we shouldn't dismiss. So if someone's listening, they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I do think of myself as community oriented, but I'm so introverted and have so much anxiety when I go to these parties. But I do find that if I can just tune into a show, I'm getting kind of that same sort of stimulation Mm -hmm. that I would maybe not get because that type of socialization is anxiety inducing for me. Mm. Not speaking from mm-hmm. personal experience or anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, never. Right. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, David, do you have any other questions before uh, we I was, ask our I last wrap-up question? I was curious if you find any overlap between the community that one creates uh, with their listeners and your possible sponsors. Uh, because as indie podcasters, this is I'd love to have you talk more about hopefully you're willing to come back and we can talk more about the sponsorship end of it and that kind of stuff. Uh, But I'm just wondering where that starts to bridge between the two. Does that make sense? Um, If there's any connection between the two, as far as approaching your sponsors and, and your actual community that you're building. I mean, I think again, it comes down to passion points. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing that this particular medium is so immersive knowing that from the tail end of the article, I talk a little bit about the neuroscience of why podcasts are so powerful um, and how that translates beyond just the editorial content of the show, but also an immersive engagement in the advertising experience. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, I love travel shows as a really good example, especially uh, during, you know, peak COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. there was a lot of conversation from our sponsors about how do I make my, make my brand relevant if no one wants to travel. And that's where the lifestyle brand conversation really comes into mind because it's not that people didn't love to travel or weren't still thinking about traveling and exploring They just needed a way to do it safely or engage in that passion Mm -hmm. safely. 
So you can still be top of mind for them as a sponsor. And a really easy way to do that is to tap into the you know, variety of travel shows or the variety of potentially like regional based shows. Let's say you're, we had a lot of brands um, who were like, we're really trying to reach like the Dallas market. It's like, there's so many indie podcasters who have great shows that are specifically about their towns or their regions that sponsors do want to tap into. And they want to do it with creative that is also very, uh, very human. They want storytelling uh, ad reads that feel like, you know, you're listening to your friend talk about something that they really like. And mm-hmm. in order to tap into that same part of your brain that the word of mouth recommendation recalls more easily mm-hmm. than perhaps, you know, the spokesperson on the radio, right. just blanket I, voice talent, if you will. It also, um, it also puts you at another level, the word of mouth. People, you know, mm-hmm. raise you up when when they speak about you. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. It feels personable. Um, it's also the way that we retain memories in the brain. Um, I probably could have gone on for many more paragraphs, um, much to my poor editor Evo's uh, <laughs> chagrin, because I'm always like last minute on getting. I'm like, please, sorry. I know you need to read this. <laughs> uh, always like day of or day before um, that I can. I finally get all my thoughts out on the paper, classic procrastinator. But um, I digress. Like what I what I really think here is that it's important to realize that what you're tapping into with your show um, is something that so many advertisers are looking to tap into. Um, and so it's finding those intersections. It's finding, okay, maybe you have a show that's about really personal topics about motherhood or about... Um, about, you know, your birthing experience. And there are so many brands that are very niche. Like I, I know of a new, uh, a new maternity bra brand that's trying to get some, some notoriety or some brand recognition. And if you go to the people Mm -hmm. who are already having those intimate conversations in these intimate settings, then Mm -hmm. you've already won. It's the resistance from the listener is less. Whereas if you're trying to find Mm -hmm. people I always say like, just because you have a big audience does not mean that you deliver a quality audience. I would much rather pay to serve a quality audience that I know cares about the topics or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be that I'm trying to sell or raise awareness about. Um, So yeah, I, I think that for indie podcasters, do not be discouraged because if you have 250 downloads per episode, but every one of those people who are downloading your show care deeply about like tractor tractor trailers and farming. <laughs> That's going to be so much more interesting to that particular type of product. For sure. So, cause they're yes. going to guarantee higher. Yes. I think it's going to yield a higher sales. Like the ROI is just going mm-hmm. to be higher in that environment. I, I love okay. how you go from <laughs> uh, nursing bras to tractor trailers. And Cinnabon, Cinnabon. (laughs) no different folks, different strokes. It's all out. We're all out (laughs) here trying to do our thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness! Okay, so we are at that point in time. We could talk to you for hours more. 
but we're at the point in time where we need to start wrapping up the show, which makes us sad. So we're hoping you'll come back on because we have so many more questions for you. We were talking this morning. We could probably do three episodes with you Just on easily. the one article. Just on so this keep article. keep writing articles and we'll keep having, <laughs> keeping you, bringing you back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for today, with the Indie Podcaster in mind... And this concept of podcast is a lifestyle brand. Do you have any last words of advice for the indie podcaster in the marketplace of being a lifestyle brand? Think about this so I can be not long-winded, but choice with my words. And I think the big thing is just keep doing what you're doing and it's going to resonate with somebody. And ask yourself these mm. questions. Find your North Star, find your mission statement about what is your show about and who would be your ideal type of listener. And start on a macro level and start drilling that down even further. Um Ooh. Every show has to have that mission statement, that North Star. And it sort of goes back to what you were saying, David, about a worksheet. Like, you know, mm -hmm. what should you, what kind of questions should you think about asking yourselves and answering as you get off the ground? And it, it can evolve too. Like, just because you started in one place doesn't mean you have to stay there because you're mm -hmm. also going to hear back from listeners. And, engaging with your listeners, asking them questions, posing questions for them to email you. You're going to learn a lot about what they care about. And it, ten, nine times out of 10, if one person cares about something, there's probably a lot more people who care about it within the, the atmosphere, the ecosystem of where your subject area is. Mm -hmm. So don't be discouraged. There's mm -hmm. something for everybody out there. You just have to kind of drill down into what it is. And again, Everybody is a weirdo, so don't be afraid of being a weirdo because our culture loves it. That like that's a lifestyle choice, so go for it. Yeah, like you're almost more popular if you can drill down into that that weirdo ness. Yeah. I mean, look at Julia Fox, of who you are. Like the probably the biggest person um, in in on TikTok in some senses. Like her sound is the most viral. She's like uncut gems. And it's like, she's kind of a big weirdo, a very beautiful weirdo who dated Kanye West for five seconds. But again, some, <laughs> there's something about her that everyone's like fascinated by. And that, you know, that's sort of our culture right now. It's not about I'm being one thing. It's about being something that you have your audience for. I'm I'm probably an alien like Thank your sister you. and, and have no idea who that is. So and I was at a podcast conference a few weeks ago and the half the room knew what the reference was and half the room didn't know. So again, that's like a perfect sign, you know. Right. Were they over thirty five, the half that didn't know? I don't they all worked in media, so it was one of those moments of like, oh, you guys all work in like New York City media, you should maybe know this, but maybe not because it's, again, TikTok's median age is a lot younger than Facebook's. So, yeah. you know, there you yeah. have it. And also, David, it sounds like you would much rather read a book than be on it, uh, any or either of those platforms. So, <laughs> yeah, <that's> again, funny. <laughs> uh, meet people where they are um, yeah. and then you'll find, you'll find them. Yeah. <laughs> Kayla, this has been an absolute pleasure. We're definitely going to link this article in the show notes. We're definitely inviting you back because we have hours of questions for you on so many topics. Um, 
how, what is the best way for our listeners to find you? Sure. So uh, I am on Twitter at Kayla Tess. That's C as in cat, A-I-L-A, Tess, T-E-S-S. And then um, Kayla Lippman at LinkedIn. Um, so feel free to add me. I'm always up for a virtual coffee or, you know, a, a tweet. As long as Elon Musk doesn't own the platform, I'll be there. <laughs> I guess uh, I'll be there. I'll be out there. Um, it was so nice to meet <laughs> you both. Awesome. Um, thank you for everything that you do and this community because I I feel like you really inspire people with the conversations that you put out there. And I'm just excited to hopefully continue to work with you. Oh my gosh, you're amazing! Thank you Yay. so much for coming. Thank yeah, you. have a great day. You too. Bye. Thank you. David, part two was just as amazing as part one. I don't know about you, but I had so many really big takeaways from this episode. What was one of your big takeaways? Well, first, I liked that she said a big audience does not mean a quality audience. Oh, I think that's that so good. really, really applies to the indie podcaster who's always on the hunt for numbers and really judging their podcast based off of the downloads. And that statement alone just goes to show, even in big business, that's not what matters. It's not the numbers that matter. It's the quality of your listeners that matter. So I like that a lot. Positive Me reinforcement for too. all of us. Yeah. I really like that, especially if you are building a brand and a business Yeah, and your listeners are a key part of that. They need to be active and engaged. Just having a ton of downloads of, from people that aren't necessarily your core people, it's not going to help you that much. Right. So yeah, I thought that was really, really good. It's sort of like window shoppers mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. people just sort of walk through and browse and really don't buy anything. You need people buying if this is your part. Like you say, if this is part of your brand and what you're using to funnel people into your business, then you need people to stop and make the purchase. Yes. Quality listeners. I am going to have to go with the neurotic <laughs> <laughs> the neurotic. I loved how she mentioned that study um, that came from the School of Psychology where podcast listeners are less neurotic. Um, <laughs> I have to say, though, if podcast listeners are less neurotic than I am, whoo, what non-podcast <laughs> listeners walk around with like? their whole life, I don't know. <laughs> but I digress. I thought that her take on that study was really fascinating and it really resonated with me. Yeah. She said that podcast listeners tend to be more open, tend to have more curiosity. They have a very curiosity-based look at the world and they're less worried about how they're perceived by the world. And I think that's the key right there. And for our audience that is finally discovering that, like we're finally getting into that phase of life where we're less worried about the world thinks of us and ready to just say, well, this is who I am, take it or leave it, <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to find my tribe, that does definitely take away a level of anxiety and shame and fear and, you know, relieve some of those neuroses. Yeah. So, I, I really enjoyed that part of our conversation. It was great, for sure. <laughs> I, I also liked, uh, this is kind of totally different as far as the, the uh, it's not really so much a mindset piece, but I liked how um, she mentioned how important uh, publishing to YouTube is. 
mm. for discoverability because of the algorithm that they use. It was something that I had never even considered before. And I mean, you and I have talked about doing uh, video podcasts that are more focused towards the hearing impaired, which mm -hmm. I think is a, a great thing. But I had never thought about the benefits that it's going to do as far as discoverability of the podcast and what we're trying to do here. So I think that that was for me, something uh, very powerful and something that I definitely want to work on and a great, one of my top takeaways from what she said, for sure. Mm -hmm. And there were so many good things, but. So many. But while we're on the topic of discoverability, she also mentioned that looking for ways to be discovered by the individual is going to be right. really powerful. And she said to start doing that by doing what inspires you, what energizes you, what lights you up. Mm -hmm. She told that bunny story about yeah. how there's those ladies creating <laughs> little bunny products. And yep. like you can create your tribe around whatever that thing is that lights you up. There will be people that are attracted to you. And sometimes the more niche, the more specialized, the more out in left field that is the more passionate your followers are. They may not be a giant audience, right. but they are a passionate audience. And then what happens is they are so passionate that then they say to somebody else, hey, you should listen to this podcast. It's really cool. And then that person says to somebody else, you should listen to this podcast. It's really cool. And when it's a word of mouth, then the value that that holds is so powerful. And then those are really active, engaged listeners. I don't know about you, listener, but I definitely feel like I learned so much from Kayla. I feel transformed and energized and excited to continue learning about this wonderful world of being an indie podcaster. Thank you for being with us today. And we hope that you continue to have fun recording. Have fun recording. Thanks for hanging out with us today. As a special thank you, we invite you to download the free guide in the show notes called The Biggest Mistake Podcasters Make and How to Avoid It. And please take a moment to leave us a review. Well, only if you really like the show. <laughs> <laughs> and come on over and join our free Facebook community. We'd love to have you there. We believe your story is powerful and needs to be heard, and we would love to help you tell it. David, part two was just as amazing as part one. I don't know about you, but I had so many really big takeaways from this episode. What was one of your big takeaways? I'm looking. I hadn't looked at part two yet. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're cute.